We want to welcome all of you to our Sunday morning services here at Grace Church at Franklin in Franklin, Tennessee. The church building is located on Arno Road here in Franklin, and we're delighted to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to welcome all of you who may be watching by the internet. That includes sermon audio, sermon audio video, Ustream, and YouTube. Welcome. David wrote in Psalm 66, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands, Sing forth the honor of his name, make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how wonderful are you in your works. Through the greatness of your power, you shall submit, you shall subdue your enemies, and they shall submit themselves unto thee. And all the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee, and they shall sing to thy name. Selah. Selah means to think about it, meditate on that. So now we're going to sing praises to the Lord. We're not going to wait till that day. We're going to sing some praises this morning. We ask the Lord to come and bless us with his presence. standing up with us as we sing. We're going to sing this song, um, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. This is the newer chorus of it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but Ransom me and like a flood. 
earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God, who's called me here below, will be forever mine. Amen. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed Like a flood, his mercy rains. It makes me think of all that rain they got out in Waverly a few weeks back. It's an unbelievable, like 17 inches in a few hours, right? If we could think about the Lord's mercy raining like that, I think we'd probably get closer to accurate, right? How much mercy the Lord gives us. All right, you all can be seated. I think we're going to have some announcements. Good morning. This is the time where we take a portion of time in our service to just remember many of our church family who are in need of prayers. We want to give thanks to the Lord for Carl Perry. He had successful surgery to remove some additional cancer from his neck this past week. It was a very invasive surgery, and they've told him that it'll be about four to 12-week recovery time, so let's continue to remember Carl. Other than that, Ruby said they're both doing well, and they miss and love all of you. Pat Jackson is home recovering from recent shoulder surgery, which went well. Uh, She still, of course, remains in pain from her previous condition, and we want to continue to ask the Lord to intercede on her behalf. George Bishop is having some GI issues and is going to to visit the doctor uh, this coming week, so we want to remember him before the Lord. Evelyn Carrico is doing well. She's asked prayer for her sister, Betty, who is having some cardiac issues. We also want to continue to remember Wally and Mary Haddon and ask the Lord to be pleased to deliver him from from this uh, situation that's going on with his mind. Uh, Many of you remember Tabitha Montgomery, who is now over in the Knoxville area. She asked for prayer for her husband. He's having some very painful and nauseating attacks of his gallbladder, and their insurance doesn't kick on until the first of the month, so they're trying to hold off on seeing a physician until that time. So let's remember them before the Lord. She wants you all to know that she, she prays for you often, misses and loves every one of you. <clears throat> we want to continue to remember Mike Vorndren, who is facing some knee replacement surgery. Also for Shirley Murphy, good to see you here today. We want to continue to remember Beth Moran's niece, Laura Jackson, who is battling cancer. <clears throat> Darlene uh, Leach's mother, Dora, who is in... Uh, NHC, and we want to continue to remember uh, Loretta Roden, Craig Aikens, Gloria Ward, all before the Lord. And of course, we don't want to forget Howie, who is serving overseas in our, not overseas, but in uh, California still, right? Is he still in California? 
uh, in the military. <clears throat> we want to remind you that, yes, ma'am, Ms. Linda. So Linda asked prayer for her nephew who has several melanomas on his body and asked that the Lord would be pleased to, to give wisdom to those who are caring for him and also to heal him. Uh, we also want to remind you that next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. And as our custom here at Grace Church, we absorb the Lord's Supper during our 1045 service. So come and be with us for that. And also immediately following the service, we will have our fellowship dinner, uh, which happens in our fellowship hall. So the way that works, if you haven't been with us before, is we ask that you, if you partake, to bring a dish, enough to feed your family and a few others. And there's plenty of food that's uh, to go around. And again, we'll do that immediately following service next Sunday. We also want to remind you that if you want to support the ministry here at Grace Church, our offering box is located on the round table in the foyer. Uh, feel free to give your tithes and offerings there. And also, uh, for some of you who may not be aware, we do have hearing devices located as you exit the door of the foyer. Just on your left, there's a table there with a box for some hearing devices. If you have trouble hearing and want to wear one of those, we encourage you to do so. And uh, if, is there any other prayer requests that I've not been made aware of that you'd like mentioned? Okay, Carl Clark, he, he gets occasionally ca bad cases of bronchitis, so let's remember Carl Clark suffering from bronchitis. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so Benny Hargrove is having a, a cardiac catheterization of his left heart on October the 4th. Let's remember him before the Lord. And Charlie Whitehurst, who Benny and I both worked with at the fire department, is facing some cardiac issues as well. So let's remember him. Any other announcements? Yes, ma'am. Ms. Shirley, I'm sorry. Has what, I'm sorry? COVID. Eight-year-old, eight-month-old grandson has COVID virus. Let's remember him before the Lord. Yes, sir, Mr. Ed. Okay. Robert Long is still experiencing a lot of problems with his nerve pain, having a lot of difficulties there. So let's remember Robert. Okay, say another other. Josh is going to come up and lead us in some more singing. Okay, everybody, let's open up in the hymnal if you'd like to use it. I don't know where mine is. Uh, 483. Sweet. 
Should also be up on the board, but it's number 332, My Jesus, I Love Thee. <clears throat> I hadn't remembered us singing these hymns recently, so I thought it's a good week to sing them. <laughs> in 
love that hymn, don't you? I love that part where it says, as long as thou lendest me breath. Lending, a, a lending of breath from the Lord. He sustains our every, every moment. <clears throat> I think we've got uh, a couple more minutes, so let's do Oh, How Merciful. Y'all know this little chorus. <clears throat> Hope you have a great week. While Lynn is coming up, I'm going to say a couple of things. Number one, we want to welcome all of you who are here today. 
I want you to pay close attention to those who are not with us because we have a lot of folks who've been ill, who've been sick. In fact, some people called us last week and said when they heard our announcements, they said, is everybody in that church sick? (laughs) Well, no. We are calling out the names of a lot of people who don't worship here with us, and they are relatives, and they're friends, and they live in other places. But we're all quite well, thank you. However, we are trying to take caution as we can with the coronavirus, and we do have a lot of our own people uh, who are not here because of perhaps the coronavirus. So let's pay attention to who's not here. Let's take note of them, let's pray for them, and let's call them and let them know that we are missing them. Now, I want to do something that we just do it every once in a while. Now, for a long time, we did it every Sunday, but our service times has changed. And I know of several folks that have had birthdays in the last few weeks. And Dr. Foster down here has had a birthday. Uh, I think uh, Linda had a birthday. No. Who else, Lynn? Turn that, turn that microphone on. Joe Turner. Joe Turner had a birthday. And Linda Turner had a birthday. We got so many Lindas here. Linda Foster, Linda Turner, Linda Sasser, Linda. So, okay, so Linda Turner. The three magnolias back there, still magnolias. Peggy, Sandra, and Susan. Did you, that's, oh, okay, birthdays. Happy birthday. Okay, Ty. All right. Stand up, Brianna. Uh, Diane Sherrill is not with us today, but she was here last week, and she had a birthday recently. Has anybody else had a birthday in the last 30 to 45 days? Anybody else that we haven't mentioned had a birthday? Tom? Tom had a birthday? Okay. Some of us don't want to admit we had a birthday. But I am on the other end of the totem pole. I'm glad the Lord gives me another birthday. (laughs) And you know, we're like children. When children are young, you ask them, say, how old are you? I'm almost four, three and a half. And then when we get older, say, how old are you? Almost 86. (laughs) Almost 86. We want to wish all of you a happy birthday, and I want us to sing happy birthday. Okay, ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday everybody, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, God bless you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday. All right. I think y'all know this without the words. Just sing with me anyway. We have come into this house and gathered in his name to worship him. Let's set that up. Let's put it up. It's my fault. I wasn't here to give up the key. (laughs) It's a good song. We're going to try it. (laughs) We have come into this house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come. 
come into this house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into this house and gathered in his name to worship Christ the Lord. Worship him, Christ the Lord. This is a hard thing to do right here, but let's do it this morning. So forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship so forget about yourself, concentrate on Him and worship Him. So forget about yourself, concentrate on Him and worship Christ the Lord. Worship Him, Christ the Lord. So He's all our righteousness. He is all my righteousness. Stand complete in Him. Lead in Him and worship Him. He's all my righteousness. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in Him and worship Him. He's all my righteousness. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in Him and worship Christ the Lord. Worship Him, Christ the Lord. So let's lift up holy faith hands. So let's lift up holy faith and magnify His name and worship so let's lift up holy faith, magnify his name and worship him. So let's lift up holy faith and magnify his name and worship Christ the Lord. Worship name to worship him. That's the only reason to be here. So we came into this house and we're worshiping in his name and worship him. We have come into this house to magnify his name and worship Christ the do. He is Lord. Y'all know this song? He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the grave. 
and he is Lord, praise his name. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess what that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the grave and he is Lord. Every day. remain standing for a moment and if you have a Bible and you want to open it to the book of Genesis chapter 39 book of Genesis chapter 39 we're going to invite the Lord to help us this morning as we open his holy word Father I stretch my hands to thee, no other help I know. If I withdraw myself from in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39, let me share one little bit of information. We receive about 10 or 12 of these publications called Imprimus, and we receive these from Hillsdale College in Michigan. And they have current publication, current issues that we're dealing with. This one is The Disaster at Our Southern Border by Mark Morgan, who was the former acting commissioner of the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. I want to, uh, I've just noticed that they're kind of piling up back there. We're going to remove some of them, but if you will, they're free. Uh, they're not free for nothing. And you know, you know the difference between free and free for nothing? Well, it means that we have paid for them, and so they're free to you to take. And you take them and you can give them out to some of your friends. Also down here on the table we only have two, four, six, seven of We Will Not Be Silenced left. We paid for these books and we give them out prayerfully for folks to read and to pass the information along. So help yourself to the imprimus back there. They're all outside on the table and we'll be glad for you to uh, take all of them that you need. 
Genesis chapter 39. This is the 13th study, and I have subtitled this one, and on the story of Joseph, the prosperous man, the prosperous man. This study will stand upon two questions. Where is Joseph, and how is Joseph? Where is Joseph, and how is Joseph? When we last saw Joseph, he had been stripped of his coat of many colors. He had been thrown into a well by his brothers with the intention of killing him. And then one of his brothers, Judah, suggested that they sell him, and that way they could make a little money while at the same time being rid of him for good. And all the brothers agreed to this plan. So the first question is, where is Joseph? And that question is found, it's answered for us actually in chapter 37, verse 28, and in chapter 39, verse 1. Look at 39, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him, out of the hands of the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there to Egypt. Where is Joseph? Well, he's now in Egypt. He's in the house of one Potiphar who brought him from, bought him from the Ishmaelites. How is Joseph? How is he? That question is answered in the verses 2 through 5. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a what? A prosperous, a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, in his master's sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer, that is, his master made Joseph the overseer of all of his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for the sake of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that the Egyptian had in the house and in the field. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say, praise the Lord. And you may be seated. Where is Joseph? Well, we know where he is geographically. He is in Egypt. He's in the house of a man named Potiphar who bought him from the Ishmaelites. But where is he otherwise? Where is he with regard to his family? Where is he with regard to his employment? Where is he with regard to his personal life? Well, I'll tell you where he is. Number one, he's hated by his brothers. Number two, he's separated from his elderly father, Jacob, who thinks he is dead. Number three, he is in a foreign land whose language and customs he does not understand. 
Number four, he is a, now a slave forced to serve an Egyptian, an Egyptian who is a pagan, a heathen, an officer of Pharaoh, and captain of the guard, one Potiphar by name. Now what the Bible doesn't tell you, but you can find out if you do a little research, is that Potiphar is the chief of the executioners. <laughs> and he's probably a man who was feared by those who knew him. His name means belonging to the sun. So he's a heathen who worshiped the sun god. So I ask again, where is Joseph? Well, he's been brought down, way down. Remember that song Elvis Presley had? Way down, way down. Some of you don't remember that, but I do. Look at verse 1. Way down is mentioned twice. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and then he had brought, was brought down to Egypt by the Ishmaelites and sold to Potiphar. So he has been brought down. He's been brought down. He was the inheritor of the covenanted birthright blessing, and he's been brought down to the level of a slave in Egypt. Talk about a reduction in one's stock. Joseph's stock has crashed, and it's worth nothing in the eyes of men. And I just pointed out to you, brought down, mentioned two times in verse 1. He had already been brought down and put in a hole by his brothers. Then he was brought down to Egypt. And then he was sold twice, and each time he got a little further down. And let me say this to you, and I want you to listen carefully. Were Joseph a typical 17-year-old youth today, he would have been out of his mind. He would have been in a panic mode. He might have even contemplated suicide. So as we look at him and we ask this question, is this fair? Is this right? What has he done to deserve all of this? What do you think his attitude ought to be? I thought of several things. Some might say he should have an attitude of self-pity. Poor me. Nobody has it as bad as I do. Number two, he could have an attitude of uncontrollable anger. Number three, he could have an attitude of unbelief. Number four, he could be faithless. If you ask somebody today that had gone through something, half of what Joseph went through, if you ask him, do you believe in God? Do I believe in God? Why would I believe in God? If I had any children, I'd never treat them like this. You think his attitude ought to be revenge? That'd be my attitude. I'll kill every one of them if I ever get back home. They're all dead men. What about vain hope? Maybe you ought to have an attitude of vain hope. I'll escape if I have the right opportunity. But let me tell you, the one thing about Joseph, he is not faint of heart, and I'll tell you why. There's two reasons why. 
Number one, he knows who he is. And number two, he knows his God. So I ask you, young and old alike, do you know who you are? Do you know the Lord? Let me tell you, life is hard enough without being sold as a slave. And you may not have brothers and sisters who hate you, but let me tell you, there is a devil who hates you, and he will do all he can to make you a slave. He'll try to make you a slave to yourself, to your own lust and your own pride. He'll try to make you a slave to others who want you to follow them into trouble. He'll try to make you a slave to this world and to its ways. There's only one kind of person, the Bible says, who can overcome this world. And we're told about it. I think it'll be on the screen for you. It's in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you really believe that, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. You'll be able to get through it. Let me tell you this. Life is certainly not like it is presented in the movies or on television. Even the stars of Hollywood and television show us by their real lives that what they say life is like is not true. They play roles of successful, happy people, but they are strangers to those types of people in real life. They are all looking for love in all the wrong places. And despite money and fame, they never seem to be happy. We watched a documentary the other evening of the final concert in honor of Kenny Rogers that was given in downtown Nashville at the Predators Stadium. You know how many times Kenny Rogers was married? Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. He's married five times. Jennifer Lopez, a current Hollywood star, and music scene star was just denied a fourth marriage to Alex Rodriguez. They're ha unhappy in love, they're unhappy in life, and they are typical of the Hollywood crowd who shows you, oh, they smile and they, for the camera, but they're unhappy and they are unsatisfied in their real lives. About 25, 30 years ago, a successful super wealthy man gave a speech at a high school. And his theme was this. Get this now. This was his theme to high school graduates. Eleven things one will never learn in high school. And he talked about how feel-good, politically correct teachings have created a generation of kids with no concept of reality and how this false reality has set them up, sometimes with the help of their parents, for failure in the real world. Let me tell you, if Joseph had possessed the mind of the average modern 17-year-old, you would not be reading about him in the Bible. What were those 11 points that were made? I'm going to just 
list these 11 points for you, and then I'm going to make a brief comment. The first, the first of the 11 points was this, life is not fair. Get used to it. Hey, Joseph, you think life's fair? Your brothers hate you. They've sold you for 20 pieces of silver. You're down in a hole, and that ain't the worst of it, buddy. You're fixing to be sold to some Israelites, and that's not the end of it. You're going to be sold to the Pharaoh's executioner. You get out of line, you know what's going to happen to you, don't you? You think God's being fair with you? Life is not fair. Get used to it. The second point. The world won't care about your self-esteem. You see, today, the world expects you to accomplish something before you feel good about yourself. You see, we have this idea today that we don't want to say anything to rock the boat because we might hurt their self-esteem. But the world will expect you to have self-esteem before you get there. And they will expect you to have accomplished something before you feel good about yourself. Number three, you will not make lots of money right out of high school. (laughs) You won't be a vice president running around in a limo with four or five people waiting on you and phones. Number four, if you think any of your teachers or parents are tough, wait until you get a real boss. We are preparing our children to fail by being too easy on them. Once Jesus said, if they do these things in a green tree, what will be done in the dry? See, here's the idea. The tougher it is now, children boys and girls, the easier it will be for you when you have to face reality without your parents to catch you in a safety net. Number five, the fifth point he made was this. Flipping burgers is not beneath your dignity. (laughs) Your grandparents had a different name for flipping burgers. You know what it was called? called opportunity. (laughs) Opportunity. It's an opportunity to get in there and do some work, and maybe somebody will pay attention to you working hard, and then if you're trusting in the Lord, He'll open up doors for you. When I came here to Tennessee, it is well known by people who've worshipped with us for a while, my salary was $50 a week. So what did I do? Sit around and say, (laughs) oh, I got a job. I got not one job, I got two jobs. And I worked until the Lord relieved me of it. That was in 1875. (laughs) Now here in 2021, I don't owe anything on anything. I don't mind telling you, I'm giving the glory to the Lord. I don't owe anything on my cars, I don't owe anything on my house, I don't owe anything on anything. It's paid for. Because I was kind of Uh, what's the word? Frugal. I kind of held on to things until I could pay for them. And if I didn't have the money, we didn't have it. I was one of those dads when Trace was a little boy, you know, and if he said to me, hey, Dad, they got air conditioner. Look, all their windows are rolled up. I said, we got air conditioners too. Just roll your window down. 
Number six, the sixth point he made was this. If you mess up, it's not your parents' fault, so don't whine about your mistakes. Learn from them. Mistakes are teaching tools, boys and girls. You learn how not to do it. You know, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a new result or a different result, you're just, you're just deceived. You have to do it a different way. If the road has got a split in it, and I go this way, and that's not the way, I have to come back and go this way, right? So if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault. Learn from your mistakes. Number seven. Before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, and listening to you talk about how cool you thought you were. So before you go out and save the rainforest from the parasites of your parents' generation, try delousing your closet in your room. Before you go out and save the world, learn how to make up your own bed, clean up your own room every morning when you get up. If you don't do it, somebody else has to do it. Who, who would do that? Well, mom will take care of it. Oh, you take care of it. Offer to take your mom and dad out to eat every once in a while instead of them taking you out all the time. Save up your money and spend a little bit of your money on treating your mom and dad. They spent all of theirs on treating you. Number eight. This is important. Your school may have done away with winners and losers, but life has not. Did you know that in some schools, they have abolished failing grades, and they will give you as many times as you need to get the right answer? But that doesn't bear the slightest resemblance to life. Number nine, life is not divided into semesters. And see, that's what I say about that. You don't get summers off. Very few employers are interested in helping you find yourself. You'll have to do that on your own time. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Joseph got holidays? Did he get special consideration because he was young or because he was a foreigner? Do you think Potiphar had a complaint department so Joseph could voice his grievances? Actually, my friends, we're working very hard in the United States to get us down to a four- or five-day work week, and I'm here to tell you, and I've been saying this for a long time, that will work against us. You know why? The Lord knew the mess we would get into and the, the trouble we would get ourselves into if we had a three or four or five day work week and you see what kind of trouble we're in. So he said, no, you're going to work six days and on the seventh day, you're going to worship me. You know what that'll do for you? Keep you out of trouble if it doesn't do anything else. The more free time we have, the more trouble we get into. My generation had grandmothers that said idleness is the devil's workshop. I don't think Joseph got holidays. 
special treatment, a raise every once in a while. Number 10, television and the movies is not real life. In real life, this successful businessman said, people actually have to leave the coffee shop and go to work. Number 11, he said, be nice to those who don't have time to do other things with you because they want to study and learn. Chances are you'll end up working for one. According to modern standards, Joseph is having a tough time. He doesn't have anybody to spoil him. He doesn't have anybody to give him everything he wants. That's where he is. That's where he is. Now, here's the second question. How is Joseph? How is he? Look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. That's what it says. The Lord was with him, and he was a prosperous man. And notice it says, he was in the house. He was in the house of his master. Being in the house was a privileged position. He, didn't, he wasn't out there in the servants' quarters. He was in the house. Now let me ask you this. Does being hated by your brothers sold twice and made a slave in the house of a sun worshiper sound like the Lord is blessing somebody? Is that your idea of prosperity? Well, our answer to this question, if it's incorrect, needs to be changed. And our answer will shed a lot of light on our understanding of what it is to serve the Lord in this world. Now listen to me. Worldly riches does not necessarily mean the Lord is with you. Lots of agnostics and atheists are rich. Certainly, worldly power does not necessarily mean the Lord is with someone. Neither does fame. The vast majority of the Lord's servants are unknown by the world during their lifetimes. After they're dead, then they have praises for them. I think this might be on the board. It's Matthew chapter 23, verses 29 and 30. I'll read it for you. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, and you put flowers, you garnish, you put wreaths on the sepulchre, the graves of the righteous, and you say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Oh, if we had lived when Isaiah was here, we'd have said, Give it to him, Isaiah. No. He went on to say, you bear witness that you're the children of those who put the prophets to death. What we do is we will not listen to those whom God sends, and then after they're dead, then we brag on them. What a great person that woman or that man was. You know what fame is built on? Well, I know, I know so and so. You do? What does that make you? Let me tell you who I know. I know the God that created this world. I know the Savior who shed his blood for sinners like me. 
And that's the only person I'm interested in knowing. Everything else is built on pride. Oh, I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. I've met, I met all kind of people when I was in the music business before I was converted. Some folks that know me for a long time don't know who I know. When they find out the people I know, they're, my gosh, you knew so-and-so? Yep. And he put his pants on just like I did. And you know what? They may live like gods, but they're going to die like men. <laughs> they're going to die just like men. They're going to die just like I am. Prestige. What is prestige? Prestige is value in the sight of others. And today, we don't value a man or a woman to be of any value. In religion or in business, unless they are esteemed by the world. Once the world applauds you, then you can make it in religion and you can make it in business. I get literature about religious meetings and conventions all the time. And let me tell you, all the literature that I get, the emphasis is always on who is going to be teaching and who is going to be seen. Just yesterday, yesterday, that'd be the 25th of September, 2021, just yesterday, not last year, yesterday, I was reading of a meeting held in Nashville back in 2015. And there were 12 featured speakers. And the theme of the meeting was tenacious faith. And get this now, general admission was $79 with a $10 discount if you bring 10 people. Wow. I get to hear about Jesus and all I have to do is spend 80 bucks? Whoa. Then it said this. They offered a platinum ticket. Now, the platinum ticket was so much, they wouldn't say what it was in this magazine that I have. You had to go to their website, see what that was. But guess what you got with the platinum ticket? And I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you exactly what this said in a big religious magazine. For the platinum ticket, you got front row seats, and you got to attend a meet and greet meeting where you actually got to meet and shake hands with these big speakers and singers. Could you see one of the apostles or the prophets promoting a meeting this way? Come see John and Peter who walked with Jesus himself. They'll be the featured speakers. And for an additional $100, you can actually meet John and Peter. In contrast to all such malarkey, let's look at Joseph and let's look at his predicament. How could he be a prosperous man? He certainly has no worldly riches. He has no prestige. He has no power whatsoever. He doesn't have a high position with any company or organization. He has no pull with anybody of any importance, and he's soon going to be a jailbird. A person with his resume couldn't even get into the average church today. Well, it says this all right here in verse 2. It says, And the Lord was with Joseph. That's the whole thing right there. That's the cause of his blessings. 
Jehovah, the existing one, the God of the covenant, the God of creation, almighty one, that God is with him. And from this we learn a valuable lesson. Valuable lesson here. Prosperity is not due to position or to circumstances. The prosperous person is the person who depends upon the faithfulness of God, the person of whom it can be said the Lord is with him or the Lord is with her. And that the Lord was with Joseph it soon became evident even to his pagan master Potiphar in verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So let me paraphrase that point five that that wealthy man made to the high schoolers. Let me paraphrase it to Joseph. Serving an Egyptian sun worshiper is not beneath your dignity, Joseph. It's called opportunity. Quit whining and start shining. Now Joseph didn't need that admonition because he knew who he was and he knew his God. What was our Lord's attitude, our Lord Jesus Christ, while he was here? What was his attitude? It was mentioned earlier, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. You talk about humility. He who was in the form of God humbled himself to manhood. Manhood. He who had all power limited himself to the weakness of a human being. He who made the world came into the world so poor his mother had to give birth to him in a manger. He whom angels served came to serve. He who was adored and worshipped in the highest heaven made himself of no reputation and became a nobody from nowhere. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He who flung the stars into the heavens with a word, created all things, was made dependent upon a mother's breast to feed him. He who is the ancient of days was limited to 33 years. He who gave breath to man, breathing into his nostrils the breath of life so that man became a living soul, had to take one breath at a time, just like we do. You talk about humility. You talk about going down. Jesus is the Joseph of our gospel. Listen to what Peter says, or Paul says about him in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. He went from the form of God to the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. And he's going to exalt Joseph too. He's going to take him from the hole that his brothers put him in and he's going to put him on the throne of Egypt and he's going to be the governor of Egypt and you won't be able to buy a piece of bread without Joseph's permission. 
That's what God can do. That's what God can do. You remember that joke about the old lady that was trying to get in a parking place? She's trying to get in real close, you know, make, get her big limo in there, and all of a sudden this little sports car pulled in there. And this young kid got out and said, that's what you can do when you're young. And she backed up her automobile and ran into that automobile and crushed it. She said, that's what you can do when you're old and got money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joseph was prospering. How was he prospering? He had favor in Potiphar's house. He let his light shine, and the Lord honored it. You ever read these words? Him that honoreth me, I will honor. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him his, his boss, made him the overseer in his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Notice that it says that Joseph... It says that Joseph served him. It didn't say he sat around. He served Potiphar faithfully and diligently. Well, what were the effects of Joseph's blessings? What are the marks of a prosperous man that God is prospering? Here they are. Number one, that man has a witness. That man or that woman has a witness. Verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Potiphar saw that Joseph's God was blessing him. God was with Joseph, and even his heathen boss saw it. And one way you can witness to others is to do what you do as unto the Lord. So I say to Jet, my grandson, I say to Joshua, if you're going to make a donut, make it as though God himself. It's Jesus Christ himself where they're watching you. Make it would be good enough to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're pushing a broom, be the best broom pusher that company has ever seen. If you're nailing a nail, be the best carpenter. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Look at these passages. On the board, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. See that on the board? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. In other words, you don't want to be a bad testimony. You want to give a good witness. You want to give a good testimony, so do a good job. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. You servants must submit yourselves to your masters, and show them complete respect, not only to those who are kind and considerate, but to those also who are harsh. Listen now, God will bless you for this if you endure the pain of undeserved suffering because you are conscious of His will. 1 Peter 2, verses 18 and 19. Joseph was a witness for his God by his work. His work testified of his faith. 
The second mark of a prosperous person is favor, approval, partiality. Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. Verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him. That's what it says in verse 4. Joseph in Potiphar's sight could do no wrong. And you tell me, why wouldn't I want to have somebody working for me that caused me to prosper? So what are the effects? Number one, a witness. Number two, favor, approval, partiality. Number three, promotion. Promotion. Joseph was moved up. In verse 4, it says... He made him overseer over all of his house. <laughs> and all that he had, he put into Joseph's hand. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I used to stock in Harvey's grocery store. Stock, what does that mean? It means we put up cans and stock. We put the stock that you, we go into the grocery store and buy. We put it up all Friday night, sometimes Saturday night. And I was 14, 15 years old. Made a lot of money. I think it was $1.25 an hour. And as I told Joshua earlier, I had a paper route too later. But before the minimum wage was enacted, or when it was as good as nothing, the way that a person advanced was through hard work. The last person to be fired is the one that's doing all the work and doing it well. You're not going to fire that person because you've got to have them. I remember a young man who moved here. He came and I've known him since he was born. And when he called me and said he wanted to move to this area so they could sit under the gospel, it was here. Lynn and I took, took him and his new wife into our home, and they lived with us. And we went out every week and every weekend to help them find a house. And we did help them find a house. And I told Ross Blankenship about it. Linda is here today who's the wife of Ross. Ross is with the Lord. And I told Ross about him. I said, I think he's a good man, and he needs a job. And Ross hired him. And about six months later, I said, Ross, how's he doing? He said, wish I had a hundred more like him. That's what he told me. Wish I had a hundred more like him. He's a Joseph. That's what he was. And it became evident Blessings. Here's the fourth, the fourth effect of those who, whom the Lord is favoring. Blessing. Look at verse 5. It, became, it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the Lord blessed that man's house, and he blessed his field, and he blessed everything. And the guy said... This wasn't happening before this man Joseph came here. He's blessing me for his sake. It became evident that the house of Potiphar was prospering because of Joseph. It was uncanny. Everything that could happen good was happening. 
in the house, in the field, and among the livestock. And Joseph took over all the responsibilities of running Potiphar's house. He became the ruler of his master's estate. He ordered the other servants, and he saw that everything was done and done properly to the liking of Potiphar. You see, Joseph didn't have the entitlement attitude that he deserved everything he got. He didn't have the I'll do nothing and the Lord will take care of me attitude. I want to call your attention again to verse 4. It says, Joseph found grace in his sight. Then it says, and he served him. He worked. He didn't just sit back and say, God will take care of me. He put his hand to the plow and he didn't look back. You know what Solomon says? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, and the slothful, what's a slothful or slothful person? That's a lazy person. And the lazy person shall be under tribute. Now what does that say? It says hard work is the path to power, and laziness is the path to servitude. The foundational concept behind the socialistic movement in this country is that communism, and in other places, is that communism will give the lazy people what the wealthy people have. You don't have to work for it. You just elect the right people, and they will form a government that will give you everything you want but didn't want to work for. You young people, don't be fooled. The president might have a lot of power, but the president's got a master. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't think Jesus is pulling his strings, you got another thing coming. Sometimes the Lord gives us what we don't want because we didn't want what he gave us. Huh? The entire socialistic scheme is buried by the faith and the work ethic of Joseph. Laziness, listen to me now, laziness is sin. The Lord does not bless lazy people. Most likely if a lazy person says they're being blessed, the blessing has come because of a Joseph (laughs) that's in their life. All right, let me leave you with these two major lessons. Number one, Joseph is like our Savior. He's like our Savior, not only spiritually, but morally, and especially regarding work. Jesus often healed people on the Sabbath day. He did it deliberately because he knew the Jews would say, well, that's a work. You're not supposed to be doing any work on the Sabbath day now. And so you read in the Bible that when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day who had been sick for 38 years, you read that in the Gospel of John, They got on to Jesus and said, you shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath day. Jesus said this. He rebuked the Jews and he said, my father is always working and I too must work. And he went further in John's Gospel chapter 10 and he said, the works that I do, they bear witness of me. They prove who I am. Let me read it to you. 
John 10, verses 24 and 25. Then came the Jews round about him and said, How long do you make us doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I told you. And you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. There was a time in American history when a Christian was known by his or her work ethic. There was a time when they wouldn't hire a Methodist because a Methodist would try to convert everybody that was in the business. The Methodists have departed long ago from all of that. They're called Methodists because of their methods. So look, in the simplest terms, if you want to be like our Savior, get busy. Joseph was, and whatever he found to do, whether it was keeping sheep for his father Jacob, or whether it was working for a heathen son worshiper named Potiphar, and even, as we will see, when he was in jail, he was busy, and whatever he did, he did it with all of his might, and he did it as unto the Lord. And the Lord was with him, and the Lord blessed him, and the Lord advanced him, and before long, he became the governor of all of Egypt. He was 17 years old when he was sold, and 13 years later, he was made the governor of Egypt when he was 30 years old. All right, here's the second major lesson, and I'm through. The second lesson is Jesus is our Joseph. If you want to prosper, get to know him. Potiphar was prospered because of Joseph. We will be prospered if we get to know the heavenly Joseph, whose name is Jesus. After all, what was one of the names of our Lord? You know, it says here in Genesis 39, it says in uh, verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with him. What was one of the names of our Lord Jesus Christ? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And so when you have Jesus, you have God with you. And when you have God with you, you're blessed. And when you're blessed, you'll be a success, you'll be prosperous, you'll have all of your needs met regardless of how the world treats you. It was said of our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted means God with us. So if you are with Jesus and Jesus is with you, God is with you. If God is with you, you are blessed and you will be blessed. And you will be, as David said, like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You will bring forth your fruit in your seasons. Your leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do will prosper. Joseph was a prosperous man. He was a prosperous man. And I tell you right now, the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ is not looking too good, is it? Well, let me tell you this. He may be this world and all of the people in this world, 
Maybe you're putting Jesus down in the hole now. But he's coming out of the hole, and he's going to come back as the governor of the entire universe. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. There it calls Jesus the governor. He's the governor of the universe. No one now, people don't believe it, but I do. You can't move. You can't take your next breath without his permission. You won't live another day without his permission. I had a brother recently kind of made a little fun of me because he was talking to me about doing something. He was talking to me about talking to somebody else, and I wrote him back, I texted him back, and I said, God willing and I live, I will. Why did I say that? Because the book of James says, instead of talking about what I'm going to do tomorrow, he said, you don't know what a day is going to bring forth. I know some people that got into bed that night, and by the next day that afternoon, they were in eternity. And they were going to do this, and they were going to do that, and they were going to do the other, and they ain't going to do nothing because the Lord removed them. My dear friends, your life and mine is in his hands. And David said, teach us to number our days. Our times are in thy hands, said David. Every day is precious. Whatever you're going to do today, do it as unto the Lord. Go with him, and you'll be like a Joseph. You'll be a Joseph Jr. <laughs> you'll be prosperous. The Lord will prosper you. He'll bless you. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word. Let us stand together. Thank you for your time and your attention. I pray that this has been something that will help you, that will strengthen you. And if you find yourself, as I did when I was preparing this message, if you find yourself guilty of some things, don't fuss with the Lord about it. Just bow down and say, Lord, I was wrong. I was wrong. I repent in dust and ashes. Change my mind. Change my heart. Change my attitude. Believers, Christians, ought to be the sweetest people in the world. I tell you, the religious people are the mean people. Religious people, mean people. Religious people put Christ on the cross. Not people who know God, not people who are walking with the Lord, not people who are kind and tenderhearted, but religious people, they put him on the cross. I'm not a religious person. I want to be a Jesus worshiper. I want to be a Joseph. May the Lord help us to do that. We're only going to be here just a little while. And I three score and ten. We watched something last night, a documentary on Sammy Davis Jr. He was a talented guy. He could dance, he could sing, he could do anything. And Mr. Bojangles became his theme song. And it's about an old fella that was an old drunk that could do some marvelous things. And then he got old and he couldn't jump around like he did. And Sammy Davis said, You know, I got to thinking, my goodness, one of these days. He said, I'm going to be a 70-year-old. Well, that's a long time ago for me. Past 70, a long time. 70, that's young. 
Just bring chicken for 70. My friends, if you want to know that you're, you're blessed, you're, 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 you're a child of God, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. Look to Him. Begin to learn about Him. Come hear His Word, and He'll reveal Himself to you. But without Him, you're nothing. And you live in this world as nothing, even if you acquire great riches and much success and fame, you'll be empty because he's the only one that can fill us up. We were made for him, and we will never have rest until we rest in him. All right, let's sing our song. Where are we safe? We're safe under the blood of Jesus. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe by the can't mention everybody, but I'm so glad. I'm glad to see all of you here today, all of you. But I'm especially glad to see uh, Bobby Roan here today with his dear mother. They worshiped with us for years and years and years. And Bobby and his wife are here today. They live over in Murfreesboro, and Rose comes over when someone can bring her. And we're so glad to see you today. And we're glad to see Marie Dalton's daughter here today. She's gone a lot, has to travel on the road. Uh, you're driving a truck. She's driving a truck just like a man out there. I hope you don't pull up beside me at a stoplight. I stopped at a traffic light one time. And the person that was ahead of me just sat there when the light turned green. Probably. I honked my horn. I said, hey! Then I looked over here and there were four or five folks that go to Grace Church. <laughs> They said, how you doing, Pastor? I said, fine. <laughs> fine. You hang around me too long, I'll disappoint you. But you're wrong if you trust in me. You should be trusting in him. Billy, do you have something? Amen. Amen. All right. Let us pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us, who gave himself for us. We're thankful for our heavenly Joseph who did all the work that was assigned him in spite of all of the ridicule and the scoffing, in spite of all the hatred. 
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame, and is now set down at thy right hand there to receive all who come unto thee by him. In his name we pray that through the blood of the everlasting covenant you will make us perfect in every good work, working in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight, to whom be glory forever and ever. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for his sake. Amen. Amen. And you're dismissed.